This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now for an inside look at college sports with the men in the know, J.C. and Morgan. Here's Mike Morgan and J.C. Sherbert. And we welcome you to another installment of the J.C. and Morgan podcast. He is J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports. I am Mike Morgan of ESPN and the SEC Network. We got lots to get to. Uh, this has got to be the craziest and somewhat most entertaining offseason in college football history, but also the most stressful at the same time, we've got schedules to talk about. We've got odds to talk about. We've got actual depth chart news to talk about. Uh, but, of course, it always seems to start with who the heck's going to play and who's not going to play. We've got 76 teams playing college football at the FBS level at this point, And there's the hope for some more. And we'll certainly delve into that. And uh, joining us this week on the guest line to help us delve into that and many other issues, a guy who's been doing it for quite some time, former player at the University of Florida uh, under one Steve Spurrier. Uh, and then, of course, you know him from Sports Illustrated and now The Athletic. He is Andy Staples. Andy, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, Mike. How you doing? We're doing fine. I, I, I guess, uh, like everybody else we've had on, uh, from Tim Brando to beat writers to everybody in between, I start off with a question that I kind of know the answer to, but I'm curious your angle on, and that is, what has this been like for you personally covering the offseason? It's been wild. I was talking about this with somebody yesterday. You know, the stories that keep coming down the pipe and it feels like every single day they keep coming. I remember, you know, doing daily radio and a three hour show every day and, and how June and July could just drag and be <laughs> super boring. And you had to end up talking about movies or TV shows or whatever, just to keep it, keep the show going. One of the things that has happened in the last two months would give, would give you a week of shows in the summer. And it feels like you're getting one of those every two hours. I mean, <laughs> we're taping this on Wednesday. On Tuesday, the president of the United States called the commissioner of the Big Ten to ask him <laughs> if they could get, get to play in a little sooner. I mean, that's the type of thing we're dealing with. And, and then, you know, you had the, the, the opt-outs at LSU. You had 10 opt-outs at UCF. And just wild, you know, swings in the news that are – not something we've ever seen before in an off season. Yeah, we haven't had to dip into what's your favorite sports movie of all time this summer, which is refreshing. No. <laughs> really, really refreshing. You know, I, I know, unlike the NFL, which seems to have like 10,000 people that cover the sport, uh, college football has always been kind of a tight niche community. Uh, and I'm talking about you guys on the a national level. Um, you know, it, it's the same five, six guys uh, all, all very talented. I know you got, I know you obviously cover the same events. You walk in the same circles. In some cases you work for the same publications. Uh, I consider you like the Paul Rudd 
of college football <laughs> beat reporters. By that, I mean, everybody likes Andy Staples. Like you watch a Paul Rudd movie and the girls all want to marry him. The guys all want to play golf with him, drink a beer with him. There's not a whole lot of controversy with Paul Rudd. People don't hate Paul Rudd. I can't say the same this summer for a number of the people that do what you do fairly yeah. or unfairly, as you know, there has been a major backlash to the way this whole story has been covered. Uh, so with that in mind, like, I, I, I don't agree with the notion that many of the people we're talking about are rooting for no season, but it's pretty clear to me that many without equivocation believe there should not be football in the fall. And everything, everything they write and everything they tweet is through the prism of this is what I believe and this is the tone I'm going to issue. It's almost like a blind spot. They don't even realize it in some cases that that's the way they're reporting it. Have you found yourself in an awkward position trying to cover this story on a purely football level? You can't cover it on a purely football level. It is, it's a political story because right. everything – comes back to how you feel. And well, it, it's, we politicize the virus. It starts that way. It starts mm-hmm. with we as a society, we're stupid enough to politicize a virus. <laughs> so basically anything you say about the virus is a statement of this is what I believe politically. And the problem with that in, as a result is covering you have to make statements about whether they should play college football or whether they're going to play college and therefore you're now making what early on against the season it wasn't we're all really like i've never once rooted against at first everybody wants football to be played but i'm with you there are there are differences of opinion among us about whether it should be played right now or not. I am of the opinion that if you feel safe, if the players and coaches feel safe, if you're testing a lot, if your government says, hey, you can have these these folks together to play a game, then play the game. Our, our response to this has been different than other states have. We've been open longer, you know, Life. Andy, turn your head to the left. Different than life for some different You were yes. breaking up a little bit there. If, if maybe turn, oh, your, uh, yeah, just turn your head to two degrees to the left and three degrees downward. Maybe we'll hear that. Okay. Well, can you can you hear me now? Yeah. Oh great. yeah, yeah, it's great. Okay, all right. Um, go ahead, JC. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say that to your point. You're right. I mean, we, you know, and I. Um, just to kind of repeat what you said for the audience in case it did break up a little bit. We did as a society stupidly politicize a virus. And I think people on both sides did it. Um, oh, and no so ev- every, everything is seen through that prism now. And, and it's funny because you watch social media and it's almost like, you know, you can see the, the people that believe a certain way you get on their Twitter and you see what they're tweeting about politically. And it's, it's one way or it's the other. It's either their mask up, you know, tweeting anti-Trump things, anti-this, anti-that, or you go over there and there's no mask and you're not going to take away my freedom and and, and, <laughs> right. and all that. And it's, it's, you're, you're absolutely right about it. And it's unfortunately bled into this. And, and I, 
I, I tend to agree with what was said yesterday uh, from the Big Ten office or, or wherever it came out of that meeting, which was a political meeting, uh, that it should not – playing football should not have been a political issue. And just like you said, the virus shouldn't have either, and we're talking about not playing football because of the virus. You know, Therefore, the entire thing, in my opinion, is sort of unfortunate. It, it is, and and but the thing is, it, it's now extremely political. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the, the, what, what's interesting is both sides seem to think that they can get some, they can score some points here with with undecided voters, which I'm not even sure that such a thing exists. But by by deciding who's to blame for the Big Ten not playing football, because you had you had the Democrats ran a commercial saying, you know, showing empty Michigan Stadium, saying, you know, this is Donald Trump's fault that they're not playing Big Ten football. And, of course, Donald Trump is going to respond to that by saying, no, 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 it's the Democrats' fault that they're not playing football. They're the ones who decided to vote to postpone it. So, like, I I understand why both parties are doing this. I mean, there's there's four pretty key swing states in the big 10 footprint. So it makes sense why it's happening. Yeah. It just, it just sucks for those of us trying to, trying to deliver the news to you of whether somebody's going to play or not, like whether, right. whether they're going to have games or not. And you know, it, it's, I'm driving and you, you probably hear I'm driving right now. Uh, I'm driving to Hattiesburg, Mississippi. It's Wednesday. As we speak, uh, there is a game scheduled for Thursday night, South Alabama, Southern Miss. It is one of the first two, FBS games of the year is the first FBS on FBS game of the season. And I'm pretty excited to get to see a football game. I'll be honest with you guys. Like I watched, I watched the entirety of central Arkansas, Austin P the other night, the entirety. I loved it. Every second of it. And it was a brutal football game to watch, but I was just so happy to be watching one. Uh, I think we're all there with you. And I, I, I really don't care if, if for some reason the big 10 did wind up playing in the fall, I don't care about giving anybody credit, including our president. If it doesn't happen, I don't care about blaming anybody, including our president. I do know one person who will take a lot of blame uh, if the big 10 doesn't play. And that is of course, first year commissioner, Kevin Warren. And, and he's been in the news much like the big 10 has been. I, I started off with a long-winded question, so this is going to be the shortest question you, you hear throughout the day. Andy Staples, Big Ten fiasco, your thoughts? <laughs> this may be a long answer to a short question. <laughs> I, okay. you, you, mentioned, you mentioned a key phrase in there, first-year commissioner, Kevin Warren. Mm-hmm. You know, I think part of this has been just the way the decision came about to postpone. And my feeling on the decision to postpone, like – it's interesting if you look at the difference in the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. And some people can argue, okay, well, you don't have as many people who care as deeply about Pac-12 football, so that's why people aren't going nuts about that. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think people aren't going nuts about the Pac-12 because they were very open about why they made the decision when they made it. They explained every step of the way why they made the decision. They said, you want to read the medical advisory committee's report? Here it is. Everybody can read it. And they had, you know, the one of the doctors from that committee talk. They had one of their presidents talk. They had an AD talk, Ray Anderson, the, the AD at Arizona state, uh, Larry, Larry Scott, the commissioner talk, David Shaw, the, the coach at Stanford has been out there talking a bunch and, and they really didn't, they didn't muzzle anybody and they kept everybody informed every step of the way. You know, for example, when the PAC 12 decided to postpone, 
They announced it the same day as the Big Ten, August 11th. August 10th, they had a conference call with all their coaches saying, here is what is going to happen. This is why we did it. You're welcome to ask any questions you want. We'll answer them. And, and they did that. That never happened in the Big Ten. The coaches were not consulted. They, they weren't told, not even consulted, they just weren't even told. You know, they were finding things out the way almost everybody else was. The ADs were, were probably a little better informed, but they really weren't consulted. And, you know, first-year commissioner, Kevin Warren. Now, if you're the commissioner of a league, you go into that and you, you're told fairly early on, listen, you serve at the pleasure of the president's, you work for the presidents. You got to keep the presidents happy, and and I get it. The thing is, you can't decide then that the ad's opinions don't matter or that they're not important because they're very important. If you want to, if you want to know how important having the ad's on your side is, ask Larry Scott in the Pac-12 what it's like to not have the ad's on your side. Mm. He's been under fire for ten years because he immediately alienated his ad's and and it it has it will eventually come back to haunt him because i think you know we may have seen this week that uh that the pac-12 seems to be looking for its next commissioner based on some emails that came out but with kevin warren i think it was a case of not understanding how much consensus you have to build as a conference commissioner and you know i think if he'd asked john swafford if he'd have asked greg sankey you to ask Bob, well, you call Jim Delaney, the guy you used to have the job and ask. They would have all said, you've got to make sure you have enough of your constituency on the same page that this goes down easy, that this isn't a case where somebody is so mad about it that they're going to make a big stink. And that's the problem they had. They made the decision when they made it. Yes, it's 11-3. Yes, you only need 60% to postpone. But you need to realize how mad Nebraska and Ohio State are at that time and what that could mean. Because uh, think about when Mike Slive was commissioner of the SEC. There were a whole lot of 12 to 0 or 14 to 0 votes, depending on how many members they had at the time. They didn't all start out that way. They built a consensus still got to the point where the vote may have actually been 11 to 3, but he'd made sure he had enough support built up to go, listen, this is what's going to happen. So before we go out there and talk to everybody, we're going to all be on the same page. That never happened in the big 10 this time. And, and you saw how ugly it could get. Yeah. I, just one other thing on that for me, uh, what I've seen is, and I went over this last time on the podcast, I'm not trying to pile on Kevin Warren. He's got enough heat as it is. But when you look at the commissioners, I actually did like a case study and I learned a lot. I knew the background of, of Greg Sankey and I knew the background of John Swafford. Honestly, I didn't know the entire story behind Larry Scott and I didn't know that much at all about Kevin Warren. Well, the thing that's glaring off the resumes on both those guys, you have one that came from the WTA uh, the Women's Tennis Association, another guy who spent most of his time as an attorney before working with the Vikings, but neither of which had experiences in college athletics, either for in, a, in the administration of a particular school or for a conference. And all those other guys, including Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12, paid their dues many, many years learning under sacred cows in college athletics. So their opinion does 
carry weight. When people say, well, it's all about the school presidents anyway. Well, Kevin Warren shouldn't be blamed for this. I guarantee you Greg Sankey commands the attention of all the ADs and the presidents when he speaks on what they should do as a game plan. I'm not so sure Kevin Warren has that yet. Well, and I think if you put someone who – because college sports is a, is a really unique ecosystem. It's just different than pro sports. Yes, it's all involving sports. It's all involving money, media rights deals, all that stuff. All that stuff's the same. What's different is the way it's governed. And I don't mean governed by the NCAA. I mean when you have a coalition of public and private universities, the Big Ten is 13 public, one private university, you're dealing with the governments of all those states. You know, that, that university president is beholden to the governor of the state who decides who's going to be on the board of regents in the state. Uh, they're, the, the university president is beholden to the legislature in that state that decides what your appropriations are going to be. So there's a lot more politics at play in that than in working in the NFL or working in the, the Women's Tennis Association, where you, you will run up into, you know, against politics every once in a while, but you will not run into it constantly over and over and at more of a micro level than, than you're used to. And that's where somebody who's been in college sports would step in and say, okay, it's August 11th. It looks like we have a pretty strong majority that wants to postpone, but you know what? Let's hold off on that. Let's stick a pen in that and see if we can take another week and talk Nebraska and Ohio state off the ledge so that they don't come back and keep this thing going and make a stink and make it look like we don't know what we're doing. And I think if that happens, then maybe you have a decision that goes down a little easier a week or two later, or perhaps a week or two later, you make a different decision. And that's, I think the, the other, the other thing is the decision to postpone it. If the big 10, now the, remember the big 10 had announced their schedule on August 5th, that schedule was going to start this weekend, but they had said, we, you know, we built it to be flexible. We could actually start as late as, you know, mid September, well, let's say they had collapsed the weeks in the schedule that they were capable of collapsing and gotten in line with, say, where the SEC is going to start. Yeah. You wouldn't have to make a decision till right now. Like, you could, be, you could make the player postpone decision now. And I think if, even if you decided to postpone, it wouldn't be nearly the stink you got on August 11th. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think the whole thing was handled poorly. And, and you know, you're right. So it's so true about the Pac-12 because uh, when both both conferences canceled, I read the medical document the Pac-12 put out. And, you know, some of their points were very legitimate and, and they were all kind of focused around uh, access to local testing, the financial aspects of it. Um, you, you know, and, and look, we all know, uh, Mike and I talk about it on this podcast all the time. Uh, what's the Pac-12 lack uh, besides blue chip recruits? He he he. Um, <laughs> these days, uh, that the other four have plenty of money. money. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and so I thought it was perfect. Per- you know, if it, the, for the Mountain West and Pac-12 and MAC and all the uh, you know the poor conferences to go ahead and cancel. And and I, and I thought that just reading through it, it wasn't this uh, panicky, almost aloof. 
message of, of what well, we know best. And it's all about just safety and all that. There were legitimate facts that led to that. And I think that's why nobody's pushing back. And, you know, there's other theories out there. Oh, well, USC wasn't going to be very good anyway, and they could keep Clay Helton another year. And so they, they don't care. You know, uh, I, I don't, I don't think that's something they were pushing for. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you know, I, you're, you're right, JC, the, the, the way, the way that thing read was, you know, they had established some protocols and their protocols were a little bit different than the other leagues. They sure. had several schools that were going to have to test daily. And yeah. that's super expensive. And then they also had the, the legitimate ethical question of, do we take testing resources away from regular people to do this? Yeah. And it's a tough question to answer. So that's why yeah, you're exactly right. That's why nobody's killing them over the decision they made because they gave a rational explanation for it. The big 10 aloof is a good word for it. Vague is another word I'd give. They wouldn't give any specifics. If they, if they had some solid specifics, the way the PAC 12 did, they also might not be in this situation right now. Yeah, and you have Mitch Daniels, the president of Purdue, coming out, you know, basically turning his nose down at, like, the other conferences. And, it's uh, you know, and I'm like, well, that's all well and good, and, and that's fine. If You, you know, people are going to disagree. And somebody's going to end up being right, and somebody's going to end up being wrong about this thing. But well, uh, let me just say this. You know, it, it, it's a situation where, you know, why would we all gravitate toward the least transparent conference out of the entire Power Five and say, oh, yeah, those that aren't tra- – the, the, the conference that's not transparent, they're absolutely right. I mean, th- that's what I don't get about the whole thing is people are like, well, the Big Ten's making the right decision. And I'm like, well, they're, they're the least transparent conference of them all. It makes no sense. Well, and, and that's the thing. When, when you say – when you heard somebody say the Big Ten's making the right decision, you say, okay, well, what decision did they make? Yeah. Why did they make the decision? They never told you why. You're just well, saying, they- okay – they made it because they made it, and it's right because it's what I believe. But that's not that's not a legitimate argument. You, you, like if you if you say I think the Pac-12 made an, a correct or an incorrect decision, then you should be able to defend that either way because you know why they made it. Mm-hmm. The only thing that that and we don't know because we're again we're not in that room and it's not like we have a, a written transcript of it. But the thing you kept hearing. As that decision was made, it was right around the time that you started hearing myocarditis, myocarditis. Well, if if that's the, you know, the ultimate end-all, be-all in the decision-making process, then why don't you do what the SEC is doing and test for myocarditis? Well, they, they already were. That's, that's the part that, that's interesting to me. If you talk to doctors who work with athletes, most of them are going through cardiac screens no matter – like at, at Power 5 schools – you go through a cardiac screen when you get to campus. You get you, a lot of them do a cardiac screen every year when the players come come back for the season. So they're looking for congenital heart defects or any sort of heart inflammation. They're already looking for that stuff. And myocarditis is a known after effect of some upper respiratory viruses. This is not new information. COVID nineteen happens to be one of those types of viruses. So therefore, it is an after effect. The protocols for the SEC and and for all the other leagues were everybody who comes back, whether they were symptomatic or not, gets a cardiac screen. That was already in in the documents. That was already in the plan. So that that part of it was was not if that was the reason. Well, the other leagues had a pretty good reason why they 
could keep going because they had already accounted for that. Yeah, I mean, the only thing, as I understand it, the SEC is kind of up the, the, the testing uh, in that regard, I guess you could say. So whether that's more frequently. Uh, they they more, made more clear what, what has to, what tests right, have to take place. Right, there's because, there, and, there's and, four tests you can do, and three of them you absolutely have to do. Okay, and, and as we all know, as we've talked about a number of times in this podcast, I'm sure you've talked about it in your reporting, I mean, there's a lot of CYA going on, too. Uh, oh yeah. There's a lot of cover your, you know, what, because the threat of litigation is always there. And I've look, I've talked to different attorneys that say that this is not a mandatory situation. This is an opt out situation. Not only can you opt out, but you're still given your full scholarship. So a lawsuit 10 years from now from an athlete, uh, that that has some type of lingering effect, it'd be very difficult to win. I, I don't know if that's the case or not. I'm not even here to, to get knee deep into that. But I, I have enough confidence in leagues like the SEC don't go into something like this willy-nilly without not just talking to doctors, but talking to lawyers. So they have a pretty good idea of, of what's at stake here uh, and what the potential fallouts and worst case scenario can be. That's risk management. That's what all these guys do for a living. Uh, and I'm sure that's been that's been thought through. I, I want to ask you one more question on the Big Ten, I guess, as a whole, and then we'll, we'll delve into other territories. And that is this. As you mentioned, there was already an FCS game the other night, went off without a hitch. You're going to a game right now. You're driving to Hattiesburg and, and being the foodie that you are, I'm sure you'll you'll find a good uh, place to eat there. By the way, how does a foodie live in Gainesville? I mean, you can only eat at Sonny's Barbecue so many times. We, we need to move you to Atlanta or something, give you some options. Um, Listen, just, just because... <laughs> Just because Sonny's came from Gainesville doesn't mean we all eat there. Hey, I love Sonny's. <laughs> Trust me. Man. I, I, I've eaten 100 barbecue pork platters at Sonny's Barbecue, oh, so I'm not knocking it. I, I have two, which is why I never have to do it again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the crinkle uh, cut fries alone are worth it, I think. That's right. Sonny's. That's right. And I'm a I dip, Sonny's guy. I dip them in the hot sauce instead of ketchup, but that's just me. Uh, so my, my final question on this, though, is with all this going on, uh, and, and we all know there's going to be hiccups and there's going to be positive tests and there's going to be players that can't participate. And, and we hope that that's the worst of it, but we don't know. But if this thing goes on as planned and we do have an SEC, ACC, Big 12 champion, and we do have an actual four-team college football playoff without the Big 10 in it and Pac-12, can we even overstate how crippling this could be, at least for the next couple of years for those two leagues? It would not be good. It'd be tough in terms of recruiting because you're going to have the, I mean, you already have the coaches in the, in the three leagues that are three power five leagues that are playing, telling recruits, well, obviously we care more about football than they do. And what's, what's a coach from the big 10 supposed to say about that? We care more about your safety than they do, I guess. I mean, I guess you could say that, but, but the problem is these same coaches have been pushing to play. So it's not like the, the, you know, kids aren't stupid. They're not, they're going to go, but coach, aren't you saying you should play? Right. So aren't you telling us to still practice? Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a pretty impossible situation for those, those coaches in terms of, of recruiting. And I think if the season goes off for the ACC and the big 12, the SEC without, you know, with minimal hitches and, and they get it done, I think the, the big 10 and the PAC 12 need to find a way to play before those seasons end. Because if you're going to try to start playing after the end, I think you're going to have. I think it's going to be hard. I think you're going to have more people wanting to opt out and go. Ah, I'm going to play the real season next fall. Mm-hmm. Like it, 
it's going to, it's going to be tricky. They, they had to do the deal where even if you play, it doesn't hurt your eligibility. And that, that wasn't just for the big 10 and the pac 12. That's for all of them. There wouldn't have been a season right. if everybody could just opt out and this season was going to count against you. So they, they were smart to do that. They, they incentivized opting in, which is, which was a, a smart thing for them to do. But yeah, I think it's going to be tough going forward. And I, I don't know if you are James Franklin or, or Ryan Day or Jim Harbaugh, what are you supposed to say to that? There's, there's no response that you can give. You know what side you were on. You know you wanted to play, but you can't change what happened. And of course, that doesn't even factor in the million, the tens of millions of dollars that'll be lost. Uh, at least these other schools are getting TV money, even if the stadiums are 75% empty. So you lose recruiting, you lose image, and you lose a whole lot of dollars. Now, maybe Ohio State can, can weather the storm uh, very well, but there's some other schools in the Big Ten that'll definitely feel that hit uh, substantially. His name is Andy Staples. He's with The Athletic, does a superb job of covering college football has done so for years. Andy, the story that we probably would have been, I mean, the the red meat for all of us during the dog days of summer would have been, had it not been for COVID, uh, NIL. You know, NIL now is almost like a a, a back burner discussion. I've heard your thoughts on this over the years. You are, you've always been a strong NIL guy. Uh, And and to the point where like, I always worry about, I'm in favor of it, but I do worry about how it's going to be implemented and you're kind of a, almost a wild, wild west guy. Like, hey, look, if some knucklehead booster wants to give a guy $100,000 for uh, autographing a few footballs, and so be it. Let's do true free market and, and let not, it roll. It's not my job to tell anybody how to spend their money. I got you. I got you. So with that being said, uh, where do you think this – where are we going to land with this? Uh, how you know, Different states have different timelines. Uh, the NCAA is trying to wrap their hands around it, but we know the Power Five runs their own playbook. Where do you think we end up when the, when the smoke clears on this? Well, they're trying to get a federal law passed. This is a pretty in, inopportune time to try to get a federal law passed. Where there's a pandemic, it's an election year, and there's a whole lot going on. Uh, but the thing is, if they want a federal law, they're going to need to pass before the Florida law takes effect next July. Because... Once it does, then you pretty much have to follow that because all the schools in Florida will be subject to that. They will have to allow their student, you know, their, their athletes to, to make side deals. And so everybody else is going to be allowed to do that too. So if you just allow the Florida law to go into effect, that will become the law of the land. And I, I think, you know, it's one of those things where they're, they've tried to put what they call guardrails on, and that's what they want out of a federal law. Is they, they want it to be where it wouldn't be used to induce recruits. Well, it will be used to induce recruits. I mean, the, the thing is, you can't stop that, and, and nor should you try. Like, who cares? And everybody's going to say, well, that means uh, the same four schools will get all the best recruits. You mean like they do now? <laughs> cool. I think, I think maybe SMU can get back into the game now. They seem pretty good at this when they were doing it before. <laughs> now they kind of do it legally. Oil money always always holds up. That's that's for sure for those Texas schools. Uh, not just SMU. I mean, if, yeah. you, if we if we take off the guardrails for Baylor, if we take it off for Texas Tech, who who knows but, how but, that could change? But here's the thing, guys. I mean, I, I I think people are having these these dollar images dancing in their heads that are just not realistic. I mean. There, true, true market there are very value. Few, yeah. yeah, 
very few people that would even command six figures. So, and, and then that people use that as an argument against, it's not an argument against if, if somebody is willing, was willing to pay me an extra 30 grand in college, that would have been life changing money. So you know what, let them have it. And my thing is, this is the best compromise between making all the athletes employees and, and doing it like that. And you, you can still have the scholarship system. You can still fulfill your Title IX obligations. You know, there's, there's no Title IX issue with the NIL stuff because everybody has the same opportunity. And I would argue that, that there are going to be some athletes in the non-revenue sports that do really well off of this and probably better than some of the people in the revenue sports. I, I mean, I give people the example of, of Florida State had a soccer player last year named Dania Castellanos. She was a member of the Venezuelan national team. She's very, very popular in her home country. And she had a million Instagram followers. Well, somebody, anybody, doesn't matter what you do, if you have a million Instagram followers, somebody can will will offer you, you know, seventy five hundred to ten grand per post to advertise something. That's just how it works. And so there are gonna be some athletes who were are, are savvy and who build their social media brand and not it, not necessarily football or men's basketball players who end up making bank off this thing. I'm excited from the standpoint of anything that gets the, the, the facade that recruiting is on the up and up and players aren't getting paid under the table and AAU coaches aren't corrupt. Right. If we can, if we can just go hook, here it is. Here's what we're actually giving this kid to come to our school and to play here. I, I'm in favor of that. I'm, I'm tired of the charades. I'm, I'm tired of the games. So well, and I, think, I think most people feel that way. I think you go back and read coverage from the nineties. People are like, clutching pearls over $500 payments, but it's really hard to clutch your pearls over a kid getting 500 bucks when his coach is making seven and a half million bucks. Right. So I just think society's views on this have changed. Now I've been writing that this should happen. Like I remember the first time I wrote about this, what is going to happen in 2021, I wrote about it in 2011 and said, this is what should happen. And people thought I had lost my mind. <laughs> And now people are like, ah, yeah, sure. Sounds, that sounds perfectly reasonable because I think, I just think society's views on that have, have evolved. I agree. And, and the numbers are more astronomical than ever, by the way, you don't, you don't get enough credit. I, I think you should put it back out on Twitter or something. You, you had, I heard you on satellite radio once, not that long ago, maybe it was last year on Sirius XM. You had like a, almost like a guidebook on how, coaches and teams programs cheat and it was brilliant like it I, like I was listening to it and I was like this really isn't that hard like anybody can do this well, I, I wrote a, I wrote a column called cheating for dummies back yeah. in the day <laughs> about explaining how to get away with it and and how because it was it was right when uh Oregon had been caught paying Will Lyles who was kind of a one of those Texas recruit handler guys they've been paying him as a quote-unquote recruiting service and so I thought it was pretty funny because, I mean, they, they, they basically wrote him a check. Who writes? And I said it was like when Jerry Springer wrote a hooker a check. Um, so I mean, it, it, it's just it's not complicated. And it usually ends with all these fake cash and burner phones and all that other stuff. If I lose you guys, I know everybody says they're always going that they're going through a tunnel. I am literally going through a tunnel under Mobile Bay. So wow. if I lose you, that's why. That's way all right, Andy. Way to paint right. the picture. Well, hopefully you'll uh, you, we'll hear the final couple questions that we have for you, uh, either in tunnel or out of tunnel. He is Andy Staples of the Athletic, joining us here on the JC and Morgan podcast. A final few minutes 
with Mr. Staples, who is heading to Hattiesburg for the first FBS college football game of the year. Uh, Andy, if you are still with us, any thoughts at all on the TV schedules that were announced, at least in part, yesterday? Well, I, I, I like it. I mean, Masters going into uh, to Alabama LSU. How do you beat that? <laughs> you can't. That's, that's, that's a southern. That's a southern weekend right there, man. <laughs> that's a southern weekend. It's it's uh, it's gonna be interesting. Well, and and your double header of of well, I guess there's there's I guess they have an hour in between, but we all know how long those three thirty games can go. But the double header of Georgia at Alabama, LSU at Florida, is pretty hard to beat. Yeah. Yeah, and the SEC replaces the Big Ten in the noon ESPN window. So, again, when we talk about how it hurts the Big Ten, I mean, it's it's in a multiple of ways. Where, where, where's my Purdue-Northwestern game? I know, I know. You, you don't yeah, get it. you're not going to get that uh, Illinois-Wisconsin uh, right. early kick. You and, know? and, you know, we, we all – hey, bad, bad example, J.C. Illinois-Wisconsin was awesome last year. It actually was. I was I was actually in the state of Illinois watching it amongst <laughs> mostly Badger fans outside of Chicago. And, it, uh, and I was, you know, ah, Wisconsin's going to kill them or whatever. And sure enough, uh, the Illini made a uh, stellar the fighting lubbies. The fighting L- Lovey Smith actually had a couple of games like he, that. He time. did. He did. He, look, I, and people were all kind of making a joke at the expense of what that matchup sometimes looks like. But the fact of the matter is, it falls game day. We know how, how popular that is. And uh, not everybody is there with their remote control at 12.01 p.m. on Saturday to change the channel if they don't like that. So it just stays on in a lot of homes, a lot of bars, a lot of restaurants. That's a pretty good window for the Big Ten, has been for the years, and now you lose it uh, to the SEC. So that uh, uh, one more just thing that's uh, a casualty of all this for that league. Uh, Wrapping things up uh, with Andy Staples, you got to give you a food question on the way out. Now, again, you're a foodie. You've got, you got your favorite spots in all these college towns. Let's, let's talk about the two cities JC and I are in right now. First of all, JC's up there in the windy city in Chicago. I know you don't cover a ton of Northwestern games, but I'm sure you've been there a bunch of times. There's a got, bunch of I good restaurants. That's, that's not far from Northwestern. So I had to do a, a I covered Loyola Chicago's run through the NCAA tournament. Hmm. Just my dumb luck. Those were, <laughs> I happened to be assigned to the sites they wound up going to. But then a year later, before the season started, I went back and, and met up with Sister Jean again and, and talked to Porter <laughs> Moser, their coach, and did a story. And so there is a Korean wing place right by Lola, Chicago, which is, is probably, yeah, it's probably uh, it's four miles south of Evanston. It's not far, but it is, uh, it's called Doc and D-A-K. <laughs> Yeah, smell like Dak Prescott, but it's called Doc, Doc. and it is the spicy, sweet. Like you would want to, ba- the, the they're not smothered in sauce. They're just sort of, it, it just sort of lingers there. But you would bathe in this sauce. It is so good. <laughs> the wings are double fried and they're crispy and crispy on the outside, juicy on the inside. They're so good. I, I so yeah. If you if you can get. I know Chicago is a massive city with terrible traffic, but if you happen to be over in, in that neighborhood, 
that's you, you gotta I, will, I will take you. I, nice. I'll, I'll take you up on that. That's, JC uh, will not shy away from Korean wings or any or, wings. Or any. Well, well, you know, I'm a little funny about my wings. As is can't Mike. be fatty. You know, can't be fatty. But if yeah. oh, you'll, double, be fine. you'll be fine. You'll be fine here. The and, double fried gets me, and and then the the sauce yep. too is is, is <laughs> and, and and be careful. Be careful on your quantities because they do whole wings. So it's it's the drum uh, and the flapper. That's a Chicago one. thing I've noticed. Because yep. yep. we, we went to get wings. My my first visit up here we went downtown to get wings and they brought like they look like a they got it out of a bucket of kentucky fried chicken i was like i wasn't used to that i was like whoa 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. you know it, it was explained to me that in chicago that's how wings come that's how they do all right how about atlanta please don't say fat match give me give me something non-touristy <laughs> give me give me something I, I, real hey hey listen fat mats has the some of the best Brunswick stew on earth and their Brunswick stew is a little bit different than everybody else's. So I, I realize it's, it's one of those, it's, it's been there. It's a tourist trap, blah, blah, blah. Still have good Brunswick stew. But if I'm getting barbecue in Atlanta, I'm doing heirloom market up by the brave stadium or yep. beast crackling barbecue, which their, their main restaurant, unfortunately burned down, but they've reopened in that Kroger on Ponce, not that Kroger on Ponce. Cause that Kroger on Ponce has been torn down, but the, right. the newer one, yeah. um, and, and Beast Cracklin is, is great. It's a guy um, who his first restaurant was in Savannah and it did really well. And it's, I think it's still going in Savannah, but he came to Atlanta. I want, I want to say it was like 2016, maybe 2015 and just fantastic pulled pork, great ribs. Uh, they do these kind of corn. I would call it, we call them hoe cakes growing up. They call it crackling cornbread, but you wrap I love the most, wrap that crackling cornbread around pulled pork and they got this like peach barbecue sauce you just put a couple little drops of that in there wow it is fantastic and they do hash and rice now i know you guys lived in south carolina for a while right yes when i say hash and rice you actually know what i'm talking about most yes. people do not mm. <laughs> so, yeah, no, i miss hash well, and rice i i've been in atlanta 10 years i've not heard of this place i'm a little embarrassed so now you've you've given me a good tip here this is this yeah. is good uh, and, and, oh, we're gonna do let me let me give you yeah. one more wings one sure. since you're gonna since i'm sending you to ponce anyway okay uh in ponce city market there's a place called monero it's a mexican place All right. but they have incredible grilled wings they uh mm. they grill them over charcoal uh they come out and they, they throw them in a, a brown paper bag and then they put valentina hot sauce in the bag and shake it up and dump it out into a bowl in front of you and they are spectacular that is all. We got to get you on the Food Network for crying out loud! You missed your calling. This is good stuff. I, yeah, I read all of Andy's food stuff, and uh, um, I read most of his football stuff too. But I, the, the food yeah, stuff, the football, I, stuff. football <laughs> stuff, you can kind of take or leave. I like the, the food stuff's like serious. I, I don't think I've ever tried anything that he's written about that steered me wrong. Well, the football stuff's been depressing here for all of us. Of late. Yeah, so I'd rather tough. hear more about good barbecue. Uh, let's let's get you out on this one. One football question. You can go as quick as long as you want on this. SEC championship game, assuming it goes off without a hitch, who are, we, who are we going to see in Atlanta? So here's what I wrote the other day. And gaming it out, this, this feels like it would work. It's an Alabama-Georgia rematch from the game in Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. Alabama wins the game in Tuscaloosa. Georgia wins the game in Atlanta. <gasps> And they Ooh. and they and they both make the playoff. Kind of like 2017, except yeah. it could be it could end up like a best of three series. That's yes, right. 
That's intriguing. Yeah. That's intriguing. I um. Oh, we need a second and twenty six. A best of three. I wouldn't mind seeing that this year. That way, wouldn't be oh, that I'd would be that would be the ultimate send off for twenty twenty. and then the college football season was decided by really a best of three series between <laughs> Alabama. And the, the rubber match between the rubber match, Jamie yeah. Newman and the Bulldogs, and oh man, Max Jones, man, roll tide. <laughs> Woo! So, so you're banking on Georgia beating Florida and Jacksonville then? I listen until I see it happen. Yeah, I'm that's kind of how Georgia. I feel. I, until I see it happen, I'm, I'm with. I think Dan Mullen's done a tremendous job in a, in a limited amount of oh, time. He's been, he's been fantastic, but yeah. the the issue is Georgia has a, a bigger talent stockpile, and you know now that they're retooling the offense. I you know we had we had a Todd a Todd Munkin mention earlier when we're talking about Southern Miss, but I'm interested to see what he does because he's been a bit of a chameleon as far as a coordinator. He, you know, he, he gets hired at Oklahoma state to take over for what Dana Holgerson had done the year before and runs it really well, runs that air raid really well. And then, you know, he he was doing his own thing with, with Nick Mullins at at Southern Miss. And um, so I, I just think there's, I think there's definitely, a chance that Georgia's offense takes a big step forward. Maybe not, not like LSU last year. Cause I'm not sure we're ever going to see a step forward quite like that, but right. a big right. step forward. And when you combine that with the kind of defense they've been playing, that's a pretty tough team to beat. I'm on record. I think Kirby's going to stop telling his OCs to try to win like Alabama did in 09. I mean, he's going to let them open up a little bit. I, he's going he's to let him win like Alabama did in 14. Exactly. I, 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 I'm skeptical, guys. I'll be honest. I, I like Todd Monk, and I think a lot of the pro-style stuff he did, they're going to implement. I think they'll be more like Jim Chaney uh, than any kind of air raid, and I don't know if Newman fits that. But Georgia, to me, is good enough on defense to where they're going to be. They may not. They may not need to open it up like LSU did last year. They may can still win with their defense. I mean, I that that's that's my take on Georgia right now, and I'm still right. thinking about it because they're always an enigma to me, and I'm still kind of uh, working my way through that. See, I, I just I, I feel like they're they're very similar to LSU 2011 through 2018, yes. where we get it's it's. This is the year we're going to open it up on offense, and then they really don't. But the mm-hmm. defense is still good and carries them to a pretty good yeah. season. Elite defense this year, Georgia. I mean, yeah. I think best in the country. Good. I mean, they they just they have too much. They have too much. There's too much talent. I mean, and it's yeah, and, and, and they can and sustain injuries have, too. Yeah, yeah, and still have Dan Lanning, and because I, I don't think they're going to be able to keep him much longer if he keeps doing this. Yeah. Okay, so you haven't made it to Hattiesburg yet. How about a surprise team? You know, that's the hardest thing to figure out is, is who, who's going to have enough players at the end of the season to be the surprise. But I'll give you one. And it's weird that I'm, I'm saying this is surprising. I don't know if this has to be just SEC or I'm going to another league. I think Florida state's going to be good this year. I think, I think Florida state has really good players on defense. They've got, you know, potentially, and we'll see what, what Marvin Wilson winds up being, but, if he plays really well, he might wind up a first rounder. If Josh Kando plays well, he is a first rounder. Uh, and then they've got, you know, Jaden Lars would be back there. And, and it's just a lot of really good pieces on that defense. Their offense has been a mess. Their offensive line has been bad for years. And, and I understand that, but I like the coaching staff they brought in. We, we did a look at James Blackman 
and he hasn't been nearly as bad as people think. He, he's been running for his life a lot, hmm. which is not his fault, uh, but he's actually pretty good throwing under pressure. Yep. Yeah. Given everything today, that's by happened. the way. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's the thing. I, I think, I think Mike Norvell's first year at Florida State could be pretty good. Mm. I, I think they hired the right guy. I know it's been a bumpy off season for him, but uh, I think they hired the right guy. I was very impressed with what he did at Memphis for sure. Been very impressed with your work over the years, Andy. Uh, if, for those that have not already signed up with the athletic, it's very reasonable. It's very good writing it's, with uh, a lot of good folks. It's the wall street journal of sports reporting in my opinion. And Andy Staples is the Paul Rudd of college football <laughs> guys. You can't not like this guy. It's he's just, he's, he has the very good, the high Q rating. Paul Rudd's in the new ghostbusters movie too. Well, there you Ooh. go. Yeah. He oh, Peter, is he Peter Vinkman? No, he's a, he's just a, a different character. This is about Vinkman's um, grandchildren. So yeah, go go look at the trailer. Go look at the trailer. If you if you liked Ghostbusters, go look at the trailer. That's all I I can't, Andy. I can't get this guy to watch Last Chance You, but he's going to break down the Ghostbusters four movie. (laughs) This last season of Last Chance You will break your heart. Oh man. Oh, that's, that's a tough watch. Yeah, it is. It's, it definitely took a step back. I think it's the last football one. I think they're going to basketball now. So, well, uh, it's just, I mean, your heart goes out to some of those kids. Like, yeah. And that it's interesting though. Cause watching stuff like that makes you appreciate what, you know, these guys, you watch these guys playing and you figure out what they're playing for, what they're trying to, to overcome. And so the fact that a lot of these guys are going to get a chance to play this year, I'm glad. I'm mm-hmm. glad they're going to get that chance. I am, I am too. I, I, that's that's what I, one of the things I've said about Last Chance You. It puts in perspective uh, how many kids out there would kill to get a scholarship to play uh, college football, regardless of NIL or anything else. But uh, uh, at least this year we're going to have some football, and we hope it'll go off without a hitch. And if it does, we'll try to have you back on because really enjoy the work you do. Uh, enjoy the uh, time that you ha- will have in uh, Hattiesburg. And uh, we'll try to talk to you down the road. Safe travels, my friend. All right, gentlemen. See you. Thank you, you Andy. Andy Staples of The Athletic. Great stuff from him. We went. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details hyundai there's joy in every journey uh, extremely long but i thought it was extremely good so i'll tell you what we'll do we'll take a quick time out we'll come back more uh with more jc and i have a lot of things to cover that we actually did not get to uh with our friend andy staples more of the jc and morgan podcast in just a moment and welcome back, JC and Morgan, with you here on a early September installment. You realize if this was the regular season pre-pandemic schedule, we'd be talking about Ohio State and Oregon. We'd be talking about some huge games not, not too far off in the distance, but uh, obviously not the case. But we do have some great games that we're going to get to. College football is officially underway. Andy Staples talking about that and many other things. And again, I really thank Andy for the time. I'm, I was joking with him about the, the Paul Rudd situation because – uh, I, do you know anybody on planet earth that, that hates Paul Rudd or really just finds him objectionable? 
I, no, I mean, I used to. Really? You hated I, Paul Rudd? I wasn't a big Paul Rudd guy. Well, I'm not saying you got to be a fan, but like, did you ever say, God, I hate that Paul Rudd no, guy? He no, just no, rubs nobody, me the wrong way. Nobody hates him. It's like Aerosmith, you know? Nobody <laughs> hates Aerosmith, you know? They, they, but nobody's like, some people aren't Aerosmith fans or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, Paul is just like, he's just like, I don't think he's ever said a bad word about anybody. He's not confrontational, he's not controversial. He's just kind of got a thing. You might not think he's a great actor. That's all in the beauty in the eye of the beholder. Uh, and every woman I've ever met, they all just, they, they fawn over Paul Rudd. Like that's the guy that they want to marry at some point in time. I'm pretty sure he's already spoken for, but uh, you know, if you want to give it your best shot, not that I'm promoting uh home wrecking, but you know, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. But it, the, what made me think of that too is because I, I cover all these, I, I, I follow all these guys, right? Um, some of them, I, most of them are, are really smart and good at what they do. But in this climate, uh, as, you know, as Andy mentioned, this thing went political from the start and that's undeniable. That doesn't mean your coverage of it has to be seen through a political lens. And some of these guys just can't help it. And I, I mentioned, um, a couple of guys, I try not to call out guys, but I'm not here to get into like a Twitter war or something like that. I, I was reading this earlier today and like, yeah, keep going. And I, and I was reading this about a reading on Twitter, just different guys going back and forth. Like, you know, Thamel or as he's known on Paul Feinbaum's show, pandemic Pete, Crazy. you know, he, he, he writes something about the, uh, the Trump situation yesterday and, basically saying, well, it, it's, it's all about nothing. And then, uh, and then you got another guy says, well, when I hear Dennis Dodd, Pete Thamel or Dan Walken talk, and he's got a picture of the, uh, uh, the CNN reporter. And then, uh, you know, another a girl named Amanda says after Walken says, even if the big 10 decided the day it was ready to play football on October, on October 10th, that'd be extremely ambitious to the point of being unrealistic. And Amanda says, but somehow it's okay for the SEC. Stay miserable, Dan. And this just goes on. And I mean, it has gotten to a point where a lot of college football fans absolutely uh, cannot stand some of the people that they're getting their information from because they feel as if their number one priority is to politicize it in to one political party or just I hate so-and-so yeah. as opposed to just giving me the facts that I need to actually know what's going on in the college football season. So some are, are less egregious than that. And I, I think Stuart Mandel does a good job. He's also with the athletic, but I picked up on just, just every time he tweeted something about numbers, about COVID or anything, there was always this caustic tone yeah. that surrounded it. Nicole but I get Arbach, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, again, it's, it's the same half dozen people that are all over uh, the coverage of the sport. And, you know, if you're a college football fan, you, you may or may not follow them on Twitter. I follow all of them uh, because I, I don't, I, I never knew what their politics were. Honestly, I didn't care. Uh, but now I'm forced to know because some of them truly want me to know how they feel about everything as it regards to COVID and how it's been handled in the politics of this, the politics of that it's just inescapable, unfortunately, from a lot of different venues. So Stuart Mandel uh, 
I, I, I really admire him for this. He caught himself kind of falling into this trap. And it was clear, again, as I pointed out, I don't think a lot of these people are rooting for football to not be played. I just think inherently it's obvious with everything they write and the tone of what they write and say, they just simply don't believe it should be played in the fall. Which they is, just yeah. don't. And, 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 that's, and that's, so, and so it, well, yeah, I mean, it just blends through. Uh, it, it, it just comes through everything that, that they write or throw out on social media. So Mandel on August 26 caught himself doing this. And he said, he came right out and he said, look, before I get to your questions this week, I want to address something that's been weighing on me and many of you writing and tweeting about college football in the time of COVID has been the greatest challenge of my career because the topic is so emotional and has become so divisive. I've been accused at times of being too negative or even that I'm trying to bring down college football due to some political agenda. Up until recently, I mostly brushed off those comments. Once in a while, I would snap back. But over the last couple of weeks, the tenor intensified, both for myself and my readers and followers. I've caught myself on a few occasions having to delete tweets that were just plain condescending. That is a great word, and many of the tweets from the same people that you know, extremely condescending. They're smarter than you are. You're idiots or you lean one way politically, so therefore you're ignorant. On Monday, after the preseason AP poll came out, I published a seemingly fun and innocuous piece making quote-unquote predictions on how the now-canceled marquee September matchups would have transpired. The comments sections quickly deteriorated into angry readers blaming me for the cancellations and those comments getting lots of thumbs-ups. It was time to stage a self-intervention. I, I really, I, I actually really appreciated that. Look, we could all go back and critique ourselves sometimes. Uh, for for us announcers, JC, we we're told to go back, even though you get tired of hearing yourself talk, you don't want to do it. To go back and watch yourself and critique yourself, tell yourself, ask yourself what you could have done better with this moment or that moment. Well, writers, I'm sure, are the same way. And Stewart not only did it, but he—I don't want to say he issued an apology, but he. He shared it uh, with his audience. So I thought that was key. And, I, and again, it goes back to uh, I'm not paranoid when I say this. There are a lot of the writers that follow the sport that just it, it's that kind of stuff. It's condescending. It's very slanted. Uh, and so much of it is I don't think we should be playing football in the fall. And I'm going to report every story, every stat, every angle from the standpoint and the viewpoint that I think it's a mistake for any of these players, teams, coaches to be participating during the fall. Now that the football has started in the fall, some have changed their tune. Others are just waiting for something bad to happen. And as I always say, that column of doom is already written. They're just waiting to hit the send button. I hope maybe some more will fall in the line of Stuart Mandel and try to catch yourself if you're doing that. Take yourself out of the equation because nobody really cares what you think should happen. We just want, as consumers of college football, facts and where we are and what is going to happen, not what you think should happen. And look, ultimately, we're all in the entertainment business. College football is entertainment. Um, uh, it, It is a business, though, and it is something that actually does impact people's lives. Um, including the lives of those who, who are, uh, sort of, I I don't even want to say reformers. Uh, I think, uh, people that have a certain far-fetched political view to where they're not, they don't allow themselves, um, to accept college football as it is. 
they wanted to fundamentally change. And, and I think that where, where the disconnect comes in is you can't, you can't, you know, they don't have any answers. They're just like, well, this is wrong. They need to change it. There's no answers as to, well, what about this, this, and this. Um, and some of them are just insane. Um, and, and, and you can tell because they were very panicked uh, about, oh, they can't have a season, can't have a season. Because they would be happy if they canceled the season for other reasons, you know, because I think they feel like there's some – you know, victimization of players going on. The fans don't deserve it. They're mad at a lot of college football fans because a lot of college football fans, not all of them, but some of them and a big chunk of them didn't vote for the guy that that, that they wanted them to vote for. Um, So I think that they're very hostile towards their audience. Um, And I I think that taking the pandemic seriously is one thing, and we all should do that. I think – going overboard and, and overlook and, and dismissing anything that doesn't align with your worldview is quite another. And if you're in the entertainment business, man, ultimately our audience pays us, you know, they're our customers. And if you continue to, to take a tinkle all over your customers and act like they're stupid and, and act like their opinions don't matter and that the, they're just, you know, beneath everybody and, and all that, eventually they're going to turn on you. Believe me. Uh, <laughs> no question. And I'll leave you. There's one other, and I didn't even know who this was until I saw, uh, in the same kind of chain. This is from Aaron Torres of Fox sports radio. He says, uh, this was yesterday. The number of people who were paid to cover college football, who were more mad, the president got involved with the big 10 than happy that the big 10 might actually be playing football this fall is truly staggering to me. And I think a lot of people feel that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of, and these are, uh, these are not necessarily Trump supporters. I don't think people are going to be doing a uh, uh, throwing bouquets at Donald Trump necessarily if the Big Ten all of a sudden does does an about face. They were already yeah. thinking, boy, we might have screwed this one up. Boy, Kevin Warren might have spoken too soon. Uh, as as our guest mentioned, really just did not involve a whole lot of people in the process. I think he thought. The other four leagues were going to go, oh, well, they must know something. Let's all shut it down. Uh, but a lot of, but you already had the, the lawsuit with Nebraska. You already had a lot of momentum to at least reconsider playing. So I, I wasn't concerned about giving anybody credit if the Big Ten did an about face. I was more concerned about, hey, maybe now they can be uh, a little less uh, knee-jerk reaction on this and try to actually – let it run its course, but uh, as of right now, who knows? I mean, it's September 2nd. The The Dan Patrick uh, tweet yesterday, uh, Dan has had a, an inside source clearly from the Big Ten that has been giving him information. It's pretty hard to walk this back now, although Dan did a little bit yes, uh, today on his show saying, well, I did say if they get the medical advice. Look, you quoted October 10th, and you made it sound like there was going to be Big Ten football in the fall. But then you have other reporters saying that's really not even close to being accurate. And there's uh, the bottom line is the buck stops with the school presidents. And there's nothing to be- lead anybody to believe that they are all of a sudden going to do a 180 and turn their nose to yeses. Yeah, and I'll say this. You know, you had the Mitch Daniels uh, condescending, and he's the president of Purdue and used to be the governor of Indiana. He's a Republican, for those of you that uh, – don't know, you know, talking about how we made the right call because 28 of the 34 conferences did this, that, and the other. And, you know, most of those conferences canceled because they, they weren't, it was money, (laughs) you know, but uh, he said that, but then the president of Ohio state 
who, again, if you want to talk politics, was a member of the Obama administration. She's new, made the point that we are working actively towards options to play in the fall. And she said, and I'll remind you that the fall ends on December 20th, which it actually does in the solstice calendar, Mike, December 21st is the first day of winter. <laughs> um, so she was actually correct with that. But, you know, so, so, so everybody can speculate about what these presidents say. And obviously some of these guys have sources, you know, you can just hear the conversation. Hey, can you believe this crap? Can you believe Trump? Well, they're not really going to play, are they? And then, then the source on the other, it's like, cause they believe the same thing. Oh no, man, there's no way. Well, I think there's something to it. Cause Dan Patrick was right about the Big Ten shutting it down. Up until he, and he, he almost called the schools that were going to, that, uh, that voted against, he almost called the vote. He was off by one with Ohio State. So that's number one. Um, number two, you know, everything else I've read is speculation about how the presidents are going to feel. Uh, the two on-the-record comments I've seen from presidents ha- have not been committed to playing but they've at least left open the possibility. Yeah, I look, I, I'm not even going to wager a guess. I, I hope they will try to get it done in the fall. I do. Uh, but but the, the clock is ticking. You know, it's, it's not like you can just uh, hit a button and all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you launch the, uh, the missile and <laughs> it's just done that quickly. Uh, this is a planning period that has to take place before you actually get ready for week one of a season, if you're going to play it, yeah. and we're, we're not there yet. So I, I, I don't see how October 10th is, is even a possibility wherever was a possibility. So I don't know what source gave him October 10th. Uh, but I don't, I don't see that really. I don't see that really uh, coming into play. I think if they, they started on the 17th or the 24th, they'll have time. They, they have to get everybody back together, back in camp, all that good stuff. You could play an eight-game schedule, seven, even seven, and have division winners and get it in because that's what they—that's what they care about anyway. All right, Mike. So there's some breaking news out there <laughs> that we will probably want to touch on before we get off the podcast because I have a feeling it's going to develop into a huge story um, here in the next couple of days. Do you know what I'm about to talk about, Jamie Newman? Jamie Newman, the quarterback. Remember, I, I, I just sometimes I'm prophetic about things like this. I just have unease about Georgia, unease about Newman. Um, according to sources, and this is from Dogs 247, the 24-7 sports site, um, from Jake Rowe, here's the direct report. According to sources, Jamie Newman is considering opting out of the 2020 football season. He uh, – apparently is not going to play for Georgia this fall. Um, And uh, they're going to keep everybody updated, yada, 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 yada. That's surprising to me. Well, it is because unlike Jamar Chase of LSU, who's got enough tape to be a first rounder uh, tomorrow, I I don't know if Newman does, you know, I, 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 we all know he's a physical specimen who had moments at wake but I guarantee you there's a lot of scouts here out there that were like, okay, now I want to see what you do in the SEC. Let me, let me see a little more on this guy. So that is a little surprising to me too. If, the, if again, it's, this is just speculation right now. Yeah, it's a report per sources yeah. that, that, you know, and these guys, I'll say this, you know, I wouldn't have even bring, I wouldn't bring it up, but I, these guys are, 
really, really connected to this, everything at UGA. Mm-hmm. And so um, I tend to believe that that's the way things are heading right now. But without them going and reporting, Jamie Newman definitely will opt out. Um, you know, I'm not going to say it's a done deal. I think this is a big deal because now you got to turn to JT Daniels or you got to turn to a true freshman if you're Georgia. And so that could be, that could be really interesting. And and of course, I mean, some people went before the injury thought JT Daniels had a, an outside chance of winning the job anyway, but that was before the injury. Yeah. I I thought JT Daniels was coming out of high school. Mike, he's one that graduated high school a year early. Had he not, he was the number one prospect in the country the following year. I mean, the kid was really, really good, and, and he got hurt at, at, at USC, um, and he's still not cleared for contact. And so I don't, uh, I don't know, you know. And yes, it's starting to starting to get on Twitter. Um, yeah, but- uh, Matt Miller of NFL Draft stick out, and I don't, I don't understand it. I, I would like to hear Jamie Newman's reasoning for opting out this year because I. You know, I thought he was kind of a guy that was chasing the limelight, going to a bigger program at Georgia after really Wake Forest and that system at Wake built him into who he was. I didn't blame him. You know, he wants to go play pro football or whatever. Um, But it's just kind of curious. I'm I'm curious as to the reason. I don't want to question the reason because, I, you know, there's probably a good one. But, I mean, this is just very interesting to me because, like you said, with with Daniel still hurt and not cleared at UGA – it wasn't like he was going to get beat out. Yeah, I, I've again, I'm I'm just like you and everybody else reading this. I'm looking at it right now. I mean, this this would be pretty stunning. There's no question. Um, but if there's anybody that's pretty well equipped with a plan B, it would be Georgia. <laughs> that when the Daniels transfer happened, it was like, okay, well, that's nice. Maybe he has to wait another year to get his turn. But boy, what a great guy to have in the in the stable. Um, but I mean, right off the bat, Daniels could have started for, uh, the majority of college football programs in the country. So it's not like you're dealing with somebody who's raw or ungifted. No, no, you just got to get him healthy. And, and, you know, the game one, um, the game one, you know, deal, they go to Arkansas first game. Uh, but then boy, they've got Auburn and, and it is, it gets real for Georgia really quick, mm-hmm. uh, this year. But, you know, like I said earlier, uh, I think Georgia's defense is the best in the country, and uh, I think that's going to keep them in most games. And even if they don't light up the scoreboard this year like they normally don't, you know, I still think they're going to be in it. And I think that there's going to be games they're going to be able to win, including against Alabama, Florida, whoever's on the schedule, just because that defense is so elite. And I do think from a play-calling standpoint, Mike, you know, there's a difference between not having the hosses on offense – and, and, and being a bad play caller. And Georgia didn't have quite the hosses at receiver last year, um, but, but there were some bad play calling. They, I mean, there were some games they should have stayed on the ground and they went no to the question. air and vice versa. I think that when you, what, what you have with Monken is a return to the play calling that makes sense like they had under Jim Chaney, um, who I still think really does a good job and who I don't understand why they, they were happy to see him go. Um, and, and so I, I think at least it's going to make sense. So I, I, you know, quarterback's most important position on the field. I was intrigued to see this, but if it happens and it in, ends up being Daniels or whoever, I still don't know that this torpedoes Georgia's, you know, season uh, right. just because of how elite that defense is. Right. And, and again, 
I know it's been a while, but you could make the case Daniels, what he's done has been against greater competition. Now, if, if you look at some of the biggest games that Newman had last year at Wake, they, they weren't all great. No, I mean, Clemson destroyed them. <laughs> I mean, it was in part of that's that system, but, you know, I, I was curious about this, so uh, we'll see what happens. But certainly, you know, he's opting out. It doesn't say he's transferring or, you know, going – maybe maybe he goes to the pros, whatever. I know the yeah. NFL did like him. He's 6'4", 230, so he's a big kid that fits oh, yeah. the back, So Looks the part. There's, there's know, no doubt about we'll that. see what happens there. And then this is going to be interesting with all the opt-outs at, at LSU, yeah. and now you have a big-time, you know – the starting quarterback had a favorite opting out, you know, for the next, you know, 24 days, are we going to see agents and people get into the ears of some of these guys at some of these bigger programs, Mike? And, uh, and then we're probably oh. gonna have a free for all because then the favorites don't, aren't the favorites anymore, except Clemson cause nothing like that ever happens there. They'll have all their guys <laughs> in roll. They'll, they'll stay for a, an extra year. I, I think that uh, it's important to note the, these opt outs are not, in large part COVID related. Um, no. for, years, for years and years, we've known the biggest difference between football and basketball is what the NFL has the perfect rule for the NFL. So they don't have to waste time on babysitting 19 year old prospects and hoping that they pan out. They get grown men that have already been three years into college before they're able to declare for the draft, right? And the kid, and, and this benefited college for so many years because what are the what are the young men going to do? Yeah. Well, if they don't play college football for three years, and they're just going to go do CrossFit for a year or work out at the LA Fitness to try and stay in shape, and then uh, and expect them to be ready? No, they're 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 playing for three years in many cases not because they want to but because they have to. Well, the moment that all these colleges uniformly said, if you opt out, we're still paying for everything. You still got a full ride. Uh, And again, I know for a lot of people that are still living in the college athletics world of 40 years ago, where, you know, you got $10 laundry money on top of paying for, your school, this is a different deal. They're getting everything free and they're getting money on top of that under the title cost of attendance, what have you, grant money, et cetera. Uh, So if you already think you're going to be a high draft pick and you feel comfortable enough that you could just sit out and still be a high draft pick, that's, that's not a COVID call as much as it is, that is a decision they're making thinking, yeah, I, I'm ready. I don't have to do anything that might hurt my stock. I don't want to have to risk an injury. I'm just going to prepare for the draft. I think this would be happening in a non-COVID world if you still guaranteed kids that everything would be taken care of for that final year uh, and they could just lay back and, and let it all pan out and then get ready for the draft. Yeah, and apparently now it's been confirmed directly so right here before we close out, Mike, Jamie Newman opting out. Wow. For Georgia. Yeah, I just saw that as well. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, the plot thickens. And look, yeah. I don't I don't think this is gonna be the last thing that happens at a lot of at, at, at every program. I mean, there's been a lot of Vandy kids that have opted out, out so far. But <laughs> when you start getting to the Jamar Chases and then the Jamie Newmans who some people had on the Heisman odds this year. Mm-hmm. 
Um, when you start getting into that, I mean, that then things can get a little bit wild. And so yeah. I'm looking forward to talking with you, brother, and whatever else uh, other guests yeah. we have here moving forward, because <laughs> it may get even wilder before we actually kick this puppy off. And we, we started with a bombshell guest. We end with a bombshell news report. Uh, plenty Amazing. to talk about next week as we are in the nitty gritty. It's September, and it actually is starting to feel like football in some shape or form, which is Great for all of us. That's for damn sure. Uh, Good stuff again. Our thanks to Andy Staples and uh, our thanks to everybody tuning in once again. JC, I know I still get people ask. They're still new to the podcast world. How do they sign up? How much does it cost free? And how do they make sure they get to enjoy this each and every week? I want everybody to go and look, we didn't get to the questions today because we had a guest and then we had some breaking news. So we're definitely going to get to that and big 12 talk. One of our tweeter followers wants more big 12 talk. We've got it lined up. We had Andy on today, and we got with this Newman in the weeds here with the Newman thing. So, you know, what you got to do is you got to go to Apple podcast. Uh, if you have an iPhone, which most people do besides Mike, uh, and you get a uh, and you, you subscribe there. It's free. It gives you a little notification when it comes up. Roll down, rate us five stars. Write a little review. Just say, "Hey, I enjoy the podcast." And if you leave a question there, we will answer it on the podcast on the next episode. I promise we'll get to all of those. Kind of a uh, a mailbag. You can also follow us on Twitter at JC and Morgan, spelled out. The and is spelled out at JC and Morgan. Um, or follow me at JC Sherbert or follow Mike at, at Morgan on air. We're all over Twitter all the time. Uh, and then there's always other ways like the Stitcher app. If you're a, a, a Android user, a nonconformist like myself, yeah, use the Stitcher app or, or a podcast mania app, Google or, play, hey, Google podcast play. Addict, yes, um, Spotify. We're on Spotify, you Spotify. Um, you know, we're on all kinds of things. So, uh, I heart radio, uh, I was surprised we were on iHeartRadio. That, that kind of caught me off guard one day. But we're everywhere, so if you want to do that. But uh, if you wouldn't mind getting on that Apple podcast thing, that, that's kind of how we move up in the rankings. Uh, rating us five stars, leave us a question, we'll answer. There you go. It's not enough to just tell us, which many of you have, but go ahead and actually put uh, pen to pad or finger to keyboard, whatever the case may be. Woof. That was a lot in one podcast. There's a lot going on, man. I need a, I need a spritz. <laughs> JC, take care. We'll talk to you next week. Everybody, enjoy your football Saturday. Yeah, you heard me right. Your football Saturday. Mike saying so long. We'll see you next time.